you have to be grounded because if you're not, all these little things will, they will trigger. And I get so many women ask and say like, oh, how do you find patience? How do you do this? How do you not get mad? You don't get mad at kids. Like you can't get mad at kids if you are in a healthy, balanced state. Hello, and thank you for joining our podcast, Hope to Recharge, a show that is designed to bring hope, inspiration, motivation, and some practical tips to those that are battling depression and anxiety, and to those that are supporting loved ones that are going through the journey in this difficult time of depression and anxiety. I'm here to tell you, you are not alone, and we will live beyond depression and anxiety. We will share our stories one story at a time in a world of mental health together is better. I'm your host, Matana. Thank you for tuning in. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to Hope to Recharge podcast. This upcoming episode is an exciting episode for me. It's all about positive mindset. It's about how to juggle life, how to know who you are, how to tune into what you need, how to gift yourself the gift of authenticity, how to choose right, how to tune into your core value. I am digging deep into a conversation with Olia Hill. She's the founder of The Living Notes. She is a former dancer, a creative director. She's a mom to seven, seven children, a beautiful soul. She believes in energy. She believes in mindset. She believes in positive thinking. She believes in change. She believes in empowerment of women. She believes in choosing ourselves as humans. And there are no two that are the same. And to live the authentic lives we want as humans. Tune into this really fun, deep conversation. The energy is so positive and beautiful and exciting. I really think that you're going to enjoy this if you're a female. doesn't matter what you do. If you're a female, this episode is for you. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the episode. Hello, and thank you for joining me here once again on Hope to Recharge podcast. Today I have a very special guest. I've been reaching out, I think, for over two years. (laughs) I met her, I want to say two or three years ago at a blogger's convention. She was one of the guest speakers. She's smiling now as I'm saying it. Olia Hill, thank you for joining me here today. Thank you. Thank you for inviting and thank you for your patience. I know you've been trying for a while. Yeah, but you're so busy and you multitask and you do a lot, a lot, a lot for the world, for yourself, for your children. One of the reasons why I really wanted to have you on, not so much about your blogging platform, but about you as a human, as a mom, as a feminist person, somebody that advocates advocates for being authentic, showing up properly, knowing who we are, what our job is, and and evolving with life. One of the things that I see so often on your blog is how you're okay with change and you invite it and you're and in a way you're you're a dancer. You're a creative a former you're, former dancer. Former, right. Yeah, so you love dance. Da- yeah. You love dancing. Yeah. So you're a former dancer. You're very creative. And you have seven children. Let's pause there. <laughs> Olya has seven children. Now I'm Orthodox from Israel. I grew up in a family of six. 
And growing up, my audience knows this, growing up, I used to lie about how many children we have because I was the smallest family in my class. Usually there were 11, 12, 15. And, I, and as an Orthodox Jewish girl, having in my mind as a little girl, having only six men that were modern, like it was a bad thing. So I used to lie that we're nine children <laughs> because I couldn't, I'm like, if people find out that we're only six, no one's going to be my friend. They'll think that we're super modern and the ultra Orthodox won't want to be my friend. And this is the stories I used to tell myself. Can you imagine? So seven, I have five and I feel like it's a lot. So seven is very comfortable for me. Like the idea, but in when I moved to America, it's very yeah. not usual. It's it, not. So talk to me about that. I wanna I wanna know your background a little bit, where you grew up and 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 how you came to be a creative. Usually creatives have less time to give to children because they're so busy creating and it's it's very time consuming and it's their child. Creativity is their child is part of their children, right? So so talk to me about your background. How did you get to be a mom of seven? Well, that's a really good question. So I grew up I grew up in Eastern Europe. So I came from the Eastern European background. And um, it is not typical to have a large family. One, two kids. It so happens that my uh, grandmother, who raised me because culturally uh, back then, People would get married young and um, then like in their early 20s and usually grandparents are the ones who would attend to children. It's just like cultural thing. And so I grew up um, while my parents were getting established. I grew up with my grandparents up to the age of 10, 11. I remember basically just them. And uh, my grandmother happened to be from the family of seven kids. And while none of them were around, she moved kind of like me. She moved far away, but, but there's such love and, um, just, just the genuine love and care that for everyone supporting everyone that kind of sat with me. Then that I never thought I would have seven children ever, ever, because as a dancer, I, I started, I started working really early, like each, 13-ish is where basically my childhood ended because there's performances. I did music. I did all sorts of things and growing up. And then age 16 is where really I moved out from my parents' home. And that's where my adult life started. I came to US to dance and dance work and live at barely 18, literally my, after my 18th birthday, I uh, hopped on the plane, not just within days and got to us uh, all on my own. <laughs> Their adventures. I would. I have a 17 year old son right now, and I'm thinking that would I? I would let him go too if that was his path. But I don't know how my parents just let me go across the world to a different country without really anything. It's just me, me against the world. But I guess everybody thought that if and things won't work out, I could always come back. I did not want to come back, and I just made it work. I, it was hard. It was tough. That's how we started to, I worked a lot, danced together with working, studying, tried to, try to stick. And then after about five years, after I got my green card and everything, then I met my now ex-husband, but he was from a very religious background. And for him, just like for you, big families were a given. It was, that's just what we have. We have big families. And my condition was to him right away. I said that I am, um, I just don't see how that's going to be possible. 
I am dancing and there's just no way that I can have kids and dance and continue to be creatively involved. There's just no way. But, you know, life would have it that it just felt that it was the right thing to do. And it was the right thing to do at the time. We got married and he had a couple of years of college left and I was at the same school and I was teaching. I was in charge of the creative part of the ballet department. And so I thought, you know, if I ever wanted to have kids, I have two years. This is the time to try. How old were you? I was 23 when my first son was born. Mm -hmm. So I was young. I was very young. But that's, but I thought, you know, then again, I talked to him and everybody said in the, dance world too they said you know if you want to your body will recover fast you're young if you want to try try now so I thought okay because initially the plan was I go dance and we have kids now when I'm like 39 38 so I'll have a career first and then we'll try for kids wow yeah very (laughs) different plan very very different wow Wow. Very different plan. And so we tried and I got pregnant and I took a little bit, but I got pregnant and I had my first child. And back then it's today with the social media and everything else, you see that uh, there are dancers that work out back then, 17 years ago. Well, my son is 17, so it's more than 17, 18 years ago. There weren't pregnant dancers. I was it. I was the one rolling into with the belly like up front, rolling into a dance studio. and <gasps> You were dancing and pregnant? I was dancing pregnant. The entire I, time? The, with all my kids that I danced. Oh I my danced goodness. Pregnant. Yeah. So I rolled in and, you know, dancing with the, while pregnant. And then, you know, the downside is you had kids. So, you know, I never had a maternity leave and I never had a break. I had to come back. And no family. Your parents weren't here. And no family. Right. No, no. Yeah. And neither my exes, like we were just, we were just kind of brewing in our own pot. And I had to come back to, back to dance with my first one nine days after giving birth. Nine days? Is that even legal? Like to dance after nine days? Yeah. Like everything still raw, falling out, hormonal, yeah. pain. And the first one, everything is ripped open. Maybe not as a dancer, but maybe as a dancer, your body's more flexible to give birth. I think, yeah, I think it's it helps for one hundred percent. It helps to when you are active and when you're a dancer. It's one and one hundred percent helps to give birth for mm-hmm. sure. But but it was very, very hard, and I had to come back with my longest one was um, like three weeks that I took off. Um, I had babies that I had to come back like three days after I just, there was. When you say you have to, what does that mean? I'm sorry to interrupt because it's so, I want to understand that. Is that the culture? Is it the society of dancers? Is it you? It's the society. (laughs) It's the culture. It's all. It's the culture. It's the society. If you don't show up, someone else will take your job. So, I mean, you have a choice. But there is no protection. And that's why I speak so much for women and especially for women artists and especially for women creative, because there is no understanding in this space. It's definitely. It's cool. It's, well, you do it, you do it or you don't. With my last child, I would say, I had a client. It was not a dancing client. It was a creative client with a production company that I now run. But they knew when they hired me for the job that I was pregnant and I was very pregnant and I was 
38 weeks pregnant, which means I could have a baby at any time, which I did. He came a few days early. They didn't care? And they demanded, they didn't care. They demanded I would be on the set less than 24 hours after I had a baby or oh the my deal God. would be off. Oh my God. And, you know, it's eth- legally, they have the right. Ethically, it's wrong. So I did what I was supposed to do because it was not just me. It was, there's a lot of people that depend on me who would benefit from, I couldn't just quit and say, sorry, guys, we're not going to get paid. You know, I run a company There are people who have their own kids and they feed kids by working for and with me. So that's my responsibility. And that was my sacrifice. But yeah, Elisa and I, Elisa was attached to my boob and we were shooting and directing at the set. So less than 24 hours after I had a baby at home. So hence they could do it. And uh, because if I was at the hospital, there is no way I would even be discharged by then. That's not even human. It's like, it's, it's little, you would use the right word, cruel. It's cruelty to the baby, to the mother, to people that are watching. Imagine like if I would be there watching you, I would probably throw up from watching it. I'm like, this is not human. Yeah. And, you know, the approach of a lot of that I face in business is, well, you are the one who made the choice to have the kids. So either go and be a mom or be a professional. But the thing is, you can be both mom professional and then human too. And understand that you are the person who usually demands things like that were born from someone at one point as well. And, um, came from somewhere at some point so these are the things that unfortunately lots of people forget that set these rules but yeah the world of business for women is has a lot to improve a lot to improve I want to talk about this for a minute because we talk about choice right you talk about it a lot Um, and choice so we make choices we make choices that we want but they don't fit our physical body or our religion or our, we have a vision, but it doesn't fit our lifestyle. So we have to choose. So what happens? There's such overlapping of core values that don't meet each other. What do we do when two core values, and I talk about this a lot, like check in with your core values, make sure that core values change all the time with life. They keep on changing. Check in with yourself that you're still on the same core value as your life is supposed to be. So let's say you check in and you're like, okay, these are my five, 10 core values. I have five usually, sometimes they change. But then I find that two really clash and they can't go together. What do we do? You know, for me, it's priority. It's whatever that when there are some, some things that clash, then you choose what is, what feels right for you and what is right for you at this very moment. And those things do change. Just like you said, they change all the time. Sometimes you feel that this is very right for you. And then a year or two years or even a few months down the road, that right can change. And I'm doing the quotes, you know, that right. it can change. Because your life changes, the flow changes, whatever it is that you are, it will evolve. So for me, I, it's a choice of what is most important to me at the moment. And so I could choose not to go back to dance. I could choose not to. I could choose not lose that spot. I could choose that. That choice was there for me. I didn't want to lose it. I didn't want to not go back. I 
that was my choice to push myself to, I wish I didn't have to, but given the two circumstances of either uh, staying at home and not coming back to dance because I'd lose the opportunity or pushing myself and continue on with the opportunity, I chose the second one to continue on with the opportunity. And I'm glad I did because that also, while physically I would not recommend it to any woman at all. And I speak that very loud and hopefully, hopefully very clear that women need to take care of their bodies because having gone through those things, I know how important it is more than anyone else because I've dealt with lots of things afterwards. But also having experienced that space, you know, when I come and when somebody started today, having it empowered me to be able to stand up to many, many, many people who set the regulations. Because it's very hard to argue with someone who says, you tell me what hard work is when I had to show up at work after having a baby three days ago. Or something, you try and tell me what it is like that you, when, for example, I face a lot of people say, well, you, women don't work hard enough. Like, really? Oh, my God. <laughs> Can you work harder than this? Wait, the, who says that? I've never heard that. I never heard uh, that. Men, a lot of men. Oh my God. Thank God I'm in the, I'm in the right world because, oh my God, that's awful. Like, how can people say that? A lot of men and a lot of women who don't have children. They don't get it. They don't get it. A lot of women who don't have children, they don't get it. And they, and there is this stigma that if you are a mother, then you are a lost cause. And I could see that culturally. We see that in movies. We see that everywhere where they show women get married, they have kids and then they end up becoming soccer moms. Not that soccer moms are bad. They're fantastic. But that's not all that women do. That's They don't necessarily become domesticated. And then the media and the film industry shows, you know, those who are working, they usually are moms that you don't want to be like. They forget about kids or they don't care. That's what they portray it like. So a good mom societally is the one who is with her kids all the time. And a career woman is the one who is not distracted by the kids. But the thing is that we're all built so differently. There are some women that are born to be mothers. And they're born to just stay at home and take care of their kids. And they are fantastic at it. Yes, exactly. And that's what they are. And that's what they should be doing. And they should never go into the workforce because when they sit in the office, all that they think about is that they want to be at home with their kids. And that's where they should be. And those are the nurturers that, you know, that are so necessary. Like it, they, they really are, uh, are incredibly important. And then there are those women that don't want to have kids at all and they don't see it. And I think those are very important too, because their kids are every, everyone and everything that they come across with in the world. Every person is their child in some way. Their projects are their children. And they too, like Louise Hay is one of the most inspiring people, but that she said it best. She said that she struggled with infertility for years and then she decided not to force it. And she said that she realized at that point, she realized that the people who she helps are all her children and that's yes. her, that's her purpose. And I think it's so important for society to understand that's how we erase this judgment. And then there are people like me that have both. I can't 
be either or I have to be both. My kids are when I had my first and I was able to continue dancing, I realized that I could that I've had attempted for the second one. And then we by choice, was that a choice? You wanted it. Not, it wasn't like your husband saying, let's have more, let's have more. You chose, you like, I could do it. By choice. It was a choice. He did, for sure did, but the choice was mine. Because I also got sick. So all nine months of the pregnancy, I uh, threw up. Sometimes I was hospitalized. So I got, it was bad for me. All seven kids. Every time I hoped that it would be better and um, and it never, never got better. <laughs> do you struggle so- from HG? Yeah, I did. You do? Um, And you danced with that? It helped. Physical activity helped a lot. Distraction. But sometimes you can't even get out of bed with AG. Sometimes sometimes you couldn't. Sometimes I couldn't. Sometimes it was... Sometimes sometimes I had those days. It's brutal. It's brutal. Yeah. It's brutal. And it also affects the mind and some... Some women with AG go into depression and they have to be on, on severe medication during pregnancy because it's one of the most awful, awful experiences. I think literally dance saved me wow. because being in the room where I could be for three, four hours, where I could just turn off my mind and literally meditate. Imagine meditating for three, four hours because it's music and moving the body and you are doing things you are channeling and channeled all the emotions when you dance you use your emotions to um achieve whatever it is that you're trying to achieve so you express those mo- it's not just tricks you express your emotion you channel and so i it helped me it was my therapeutic time and there were times where i couldn't do and my ex-husband he would kick me out literally he just said you would feel better afterwards and he was right every time i would i would feel a lot better And then like second half of the pregnancy, when everybody starts hating it, it would actually get better for me. I would get it. I would still throw up, but it would be less severe. And by like my month eight, nine, that's when I would actually enjoy it. I would by then I'd figure it out. My body would get somewhat mm-hmm. somewhat adjusted. Mm-hmm. So eighth and ninth month, or if I went that far, then um, those were my like when everybody hated it, I loved it because I finally were starting to feel more like human. <sighs> Yeah, so that's how I ended up with kids. And I, and I, um, but seven at four, you didn't say, okay, enough. And, f- and by the way, are your parents still alive? Yeah, they're alive. Yes. They're in their alive. culture, it's so on, it's so foreign. What also, were they thinking? Yeah, they did not support at all. They didn't, yeah, support. I wanted to say it's probably so, they, they, they probably were thinking that you're killing yourself, your body, your children, like your career, everything. Everything. I've heard that all the time. It was hard. Yeah. It was mentally hard for me because I wished I had that support. I never, which is why I started everything that I started. I started with my, when pregnant with my third. I started mm-hmm. with, when pregnant with my third, I started living notes then as blogspot.com. And it was really the journey of me pregnant dancer. Nobody did this. And then I, it was more like here. You can do it. I've done it two times. This is my third time. And check this out. This is this is not not even check this out. It's more like this is what I'm doing. And it, you can do it. And it works. If you want to, don't be afraid. I was afraid to. I was afraid that I would not be able to come back to dance. And I got my one of my best auditions to dance internationally with Burlington Ballet happened when I had a one-year-old and I didn't tell anybody. That's how screwed up that it was. Like I nobody knew I had a child. I came, I auditioned just like everyone else, and you know, and I didn't tell anybody. It wasn't until after 
the tour that people are like, wait, you have a kid? You're married? What? You know? Wow. So, because I was so afraid that I would get cut out because that was the stigma that if you have kids, you just not make it. And then as little by little getting confidence that yes, you can. And then third gave me a lot more confidence and so on. And so that's how it started to speak for, to give more encouragement. And we kind of formed, there's a society kind of little of different artists. And then it kind of grew, grouped itself into a little community of artists. We still keep in touch. There's musicians, there's like awarded musicians. It's so fun to see who is doing what now 12, 13 years down the road. Yes. Yeah, so, and little by little, this is, it created this space of support for women to understand that, yes, you can, you should, and you can combine both. And it doesn't make you be lesser than or better than you are just you. And for me, kids unlocked um, the potential I never thought I could, I had. And I think I never would experience it. Um, the emotional, this, the whole emotional dive and the emotional everything that, the children are locked in me. There's this whole new chest that I didn't know existed and it fueled my creativity. But then just the same way as kids have, have fueled and are fueling my creativity, I have to create for me to be a good mother. I can't. Can we speak about that? Because I think it's so important. I was just speaking to, I'm trying to remember who it was on Sunday. I was having, oh, it was my EFT practitioner on Monday. And I was, I have my EFT session every single week. I travel a lot now during COVID. I don't, but no matter where I am in the world, I do my EFT session because it grounds me, centers me. And, and as a mother and as somebody that's very active and many different things, I find that sometimes I have this inner tug of war. Am I doing the right thing? Am I neglecting my children? Am I filling myself for what? Wait, am I filling myself in order to give them? Am I, am I giving myself because I'm selfish? Am I, what am I giving others because it fuels me? But where is the, and it was going this, like this around and around and around. And I said, is there a part of me that could say I am fueling myself in order to show up better for my children. Yes, it will be less time with them. Yes, it will look different than a stay-at-home mom constantly. But is there something that's balancing it out? Living with mental illness can be full of pain, frustration, and anguish. At times, it can feel like you are completely alone. Well-meaning loved ones may not understand what you are going through and might not be able to offer the support you need. Finding the right source of support is crucial to your journey of healing. While we always encourage you to seek appropriate medical and psychological help, adding someone to your team who has been where you are can provide a much-needed shoulder to lean on. Matana knows what it is like to feel debilitating anxiety, and through her own journey of more than a decade living with mental illness, she has spoken with hundreds of others navigating their own anxiety and depression. Matana is not a therapist or a doctor, but has been able to partner with many individuals like yourself, creating a strategy toward mental, physical, and emotional well-being. One-on-ones with Matana are self-paced conversations allowing you to move forward at a comfortable pace. She'll work with you as you discover your own path and the steps that are right for you. To schedule a free 30-minute consultation with Matana, head over to hopetorecharge.com forward slash free. That's hope to recharge.com forward slash 
F-R-E-E. Or you can click the link in today's show notes. And now let's get right back to Matana and today's conversation. You know, and that is that is what it is for me. The creativity is not that's my oxygen. It's who I am. This is a, it's a part of me. So removing that would be quite literally killing a part of me. I can't work if I can't create. If whether it is it was dance, and then when I transitioned, it was the all the way. It was my on my sixth that I fully transitioned to production <sighs> and running production. So all the way up to the fifth child, I danced mm-hmm. with them, and so you know. But it was so necessary. It's because that recharged me it what it helped me reconnect with who i am helped me stay grounded which is what you need to be to be around little humans because if you are unsettled and you know that if you do energy work in et and any of this that you have to be grounded because if you're not all these little things will they will trigger and i get so many women ask and say like oh how do you find patience how do you do this how do you not get mad you don't get mad at kids like you can't get mad at kids if you are in a healthy balance yes yes you just you just there's nothing they can do to to kick you out of the balance if you are balanced but if you're not it doesn't matter how amazingly perfect they are you will find something that's going to irritate you about it or some something that's going to be irritating something they're going to sneeze and it's gonna it's gonna do something one of my friends is joking and says my husband sometimes breathes too loud and blinks too loudly like meaning that by the way, that was me. I used to say yeah. to my husband that he's breathing too loudly. He's like, I'm sorry for breathing. But I, it really used to irritate me because I wasn't calm. Exactly. And she would say, she's like, I know that when my husband starts blinking and I can hear him blink, that means that I am way unsettled and you need to go ground. So that, and that is such a true, true, true statement. You have to, those little things will irritate. You have to ground, you have to be calm, you have to meditate, you have to do whatever you, whatever it is. And I firmly believe that doing what you feel is right for you, whatever it is whether it is working and being um, a mom, whether it is being a creator, whether it is being a stay-at-home mom and painting because that's what you love doing or knitting or cooking, whatever it is, whatever it is that it is yours, that you find joy in and is you, you have to do. For me, it's creativity. You know, for me, it's creativity and it's constantly evolving and it's, it was dance and I still do dance when we film, when we film commercials and there's a dancing part, I get to choreograph, sometimes I get to be part of it dancing too. So that's, it still is a big part of me, but I never saw myself as a dance teacher. I always saw myself as a part of creating, whether it was performing and you create when you perform because you create a character and you do something or it was choreographing, but but then production, the between living notes as a site and then blog and then growing into a site and picking up into what it has become a platform and then rolling off that the production site. I mean, they're so intertwined because it's a photography that was a part of the blog then and the, the site that led to production. And then the production is kind of tied with sharing the experience. So it becomes a block. It's all big one, one big thing all together. So, but this is still my creative outlet. And sometimes it's um, writing for people. Sometimes it's writing for me um, just because there are the thoughts that I'm writing. And then there are times where I don't write for a long time because I am gone, gone, gone on the set or we are, you know, stuck. 
stuck or, or in production or something like that. And you need to be calm. You need to be calm in order to be the creative writer. Well, and it's just, it's just not, I don't, I, writing is just not on my mind. It's like, I am, I'm in the process. Like we were in Jamaica. I think I wrote something once, but we were just, I just came back from Jamaica. We were shooting that. I was just so much in the process and it was not a part of it. And there's sometimes when I disappear and you can see for a few days, there's no posts and things because we're creating something outside. And so, but it's always there. It's always there. There's always a process. And sometimes I will share it as I go. If there's something that is enlightening and inspirational or I feel like it's important but um, but again coming back to this is that being you the true you that you know you are is the most important thing that I found for myself and it seems to be for everyone else whenever I say that and people try and that rings true to them too I have so many questions. I have so many questions, Olia. Okay. I'm going to try to remember all of them because they're, they're, they're important to me as a mother. First of all, you had seven children. At any point, did you say, because I'm a creative person, my kids will miss out on me because each one needs different. So somebody, some kids need very little time. Some kids are very emotional and they need more of you. And there's that guilt. Am I giving them enough? Am I showing up? If I chose to be a mom, am I showing up properly for them, even though I'm fueling myself? So did you ever have that question? I did. I had that with my first up to my third. And it was with the third one that my world turned around where I discovered a lot of a lot of energy work, a lot of psychological work. And that's with my second, I had a postpartum depression. So that's when I dove in into uh, therapy. And that was a turning point for me. Realizing uh, these, these fears are stories that we tell ourselves. They are unfounded. They have zero founding whatsoever. And it is true, as one of the therapists I worked with said, you know, you realize that your kids don't need any and they don't care about any of these things that you are so worried about. Is that true? I think so. My grandfather was an orphan and he has become because I worried about the attention, et cetera, et cetera. And as I talked to him in his area, he one, he was an extremely happy and accomplished person, one of the kindest people I've ever known, but he had no parents. And it's not the necessarily the attention that you give and the effort that you put. It's if your kids' needs are met. And the kids' needs are very different. Right. And yeah, there are some that are more needy than others. But then there is also one thing that one of the therapists said that your child will vibe off your energy absolutely <laughs> and they will pick up what you are and if you are stressing out about not giving them enough they they're are going to be stressed it. out it doesn't matter how much you give they're still going they're still going to be uh, they're going to still going to be this more there's tension etc she's just like just chill just chill just bring your children let them and at my first steps were to stop worrying about the tidy house i like clean home i love clean home but it was so much stress keeping it clean. When I just let go of mm. that, somehow it still stayed clean. But there were times where it wasn't clean, where my dishes weren't done. And my then husband would be gone for a week. And I just like, screw it. I'm not doing it. I'm not making dinner. I'm not doing, I'm doing just sandwiches for me because it's just me and a baby. And the baby doesn't need food. You know, baby's breastfeeding and whatever else. And just giving yourself the freedom 
And then coming back to whatever is important to you from the place of freedom, not from the place of obligation, is a completely different game. And the first I let go of all the responsibilities that were not necessary. And I came back, that was what I wanted and turned out everything that I wanted that I felt was a responsibility was actually what I wanted. And when you want something, somehow it's easier to make it happen. It's just a lot easier. And then about the children, I just took them with me. One, at first I had no choice. And then it became a choice. I took them with me everywhere. Everywhere where I went, to the store, to the and I didn't feel like I needed. There were times where I needed to take a break, which, and then I would hand them over to my husband. But most mm. of the time, I I really wanted to just take them with me, and it was me. I looked at it, especially having more than one, and seeing my first two grow up so fast. I realized that okay, this newborn stage. This newborn month is going to be hard, but that first month and first six weeks are going to run like a blink and it's going to be a different baby. And taking and looking at things from that perspective, all of a sudden it wasn't hard to wake up at night to a newborn because I knew that he's going to sleep soon. Um, and I knew that it's got this newborn time I will miss. And it was not hard to, it was hard for sometimes to pursue, but then it just became not so much of a chore as a more of a natural process and having bringing kids with me like I've never saw him as I'm a mom you're my kid it was always we're friends we we are one we are together we are it and sometimes I'd need to leave and would come back and there's this connection that formed that was more than just you're my child I'm your mom it was just a human one-to-one connection one of the things that I'm noticing is that you have a lot of balance mindset. You were saying something before that it's about in your mind. It's in your, a lot of what you do is in your mind and the decision that you're making. And I find that when we're very clear in our mind and our balance, everything else feeds accordingly. I wonder if you had such stability because you're a dancer and dancer has a physical balance that takes over into the mental balance. I think so. I definitely think so. And I think mental balance is also important, very important, because as performer, mental state was huge. Um, and the fear of failure, especially as a ballet performer, the fear of failure, every time you get on that stage, no matter how proficient you are and how, how incredible you are, you can fall. You can break your leg. I have broken my, my toes while performing. You can, and you have to continue going. I have danced on broken, literally feet. You have to continue going. Because you just can't stop. I mean, that's that's it. I mean, you there's you just can't. That's that's a responsibility. That's a, and and then also getting through it. It's like man, I'm sure that any creative, like any actor, will say the same thing. Like going to auditions, so there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who are better than you, and sometimes who are incredible. But sometimes it's also not about how good you are. It's about if you fit in what the vision is for this performance. And I know it as being on the side as a choreographer, I, I too was the one who was speaking not because of the abilities, but because if it fit in my mental image of what I wanted to create. So you had to fit in somebody else's mental image. Dealing with that and understanding that it's not you and it's not, you know, and having the strength to be able to do everything that you need to do without losing yourself, that definitely, definitely is a good mental exercise for sure. 
I think your grandfather was a very good role model. And I want to wrap this up by saying that what you said about your grandfather is probably the biggest tool a parent can give a child. We can spend 24 hours with the children, pamper them, take them everywhere, give them everything they want, and still they'll be miserable. But if we teach them that their mind they have a choice. We're going to go back to the word choice. It's coming up a lot in our conversation, but I, I think it's important that our mind feeds us the energy and the mind is the tool. And whatever we feed the mind, it's going to feed our body and our soul. And it's a choice. Your grandfather was an orphan and he chose to be happy. He chose to move on with life. He chose to make an amazing life for himself. He didn't stay in victim mode. Oh, poor me. I don't have parents. He created. So maybe as a parent, as creatives, as whatever we are, as mentors, Maybe the best thing we can teach them is the power of our mind. And you said you had postpartum depression. I had depression, not postpartum, but I had debilitating depression. And now I coach people how to go back to being themselves through the power of their mind, happy thinking, boundaries, energy, energy, everything is energy. So maybe, maybe the bottom line is, to give. Yes, we have to nurture our children. Yes, we have to teach them. But maybe it's not about the time, but it's about the tools that we give them about the power of our mind. It's absolutely. It's the tools. It's the power. It's empowering. It's dealing. And I see it with my kids. Every child is different. And one of the biggest things that I think as a, as a parent too, to wrap this up is that we, our job is not to not to make something out of them. Our job is, is exactly what you said, give them the tools to be able to manage everything that they want to manage and give them the tools to become who they are in the way that they want to be. Because every person, every child is different and everything that works for one may not work for another. But if we give them the tools to be able to understand themselves, to be able to deal with life, to be able to find their own balance, they are unstoppable. And they will succeed. And it doesn't matter what they choose. And that's one of the biggest thing that, things that I stand for is that you don't have to choose a career of whatever pays most. You can choose whatever it is that you want to. For as long as you want to, you will succeed. And the most important thing in this life, as I've learned through years and of different experiences, is to stay happy. Because it doesn't matter how successful you are. The most successful year I had as an entrepreneur was the year I was least happy. It's not about success. It's not about the money. It's not about anything. It's about the choice that you have and the choice that you make. And it's about being who you truly are. Because anything less than that is not going to be the ultimate and true happiness. Yeah. And I want to add to that, that it's not easy to find the true authentic self. So find mentors, find yes. the right people. There's so, 100%. thank God our, our world has evolved and there's more awareness of it. Like, like put yourself around the like-minded people that will help you and empower you to find the right person that you are versus them making you fit into the box that fits them. And it makes you disappear because there's no you. It's how can you fit into their lives? Yeah, 100%. Well, thank you so much for your wisdom and for your sharing your journey, which is incredible and inspiring, really inspiring. I'm going to leave you with the last question that I ask everybody. What does hope mean to you? Oh, that is wonderful. Hope means light. 
Hope means light, and I walk towards the light all the time. So hope means light. Hope is empowerment. Hope is inspiration. And hope are the wings that help me fly. You're so beautiful. Where can people follow you? Um, you can find me on uh, at Living Notes on Instagram or just living-notes.com is the website. And Instagram is probably easiest. Beautiful story, inspiring, inspiring. You get, you really give permission for everyone to be their authentic self with no judgment. And I, I thank you as a female for all your work that you do in the world to advocate for us and to fight for better world and understanding of how incredible we are and how I, I, I think we're superhuman, like literally superhuman and we're incredible. <laughs> and um, I, I really thank you for all the incredible work you do. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Today's episode is sponsored by betterhelp.com. Are you looking for online therapy? Are you stuck at home like everyone else? High stress, high anxiety, worried about the future, trying to navigate everything, have a lot of worries, had a lot of emotional roller coaster rides up and down, just like me. BetterHelp.com is one phone call away, one Zoom call away, one text away. It's an online platform for therapy. It's so perfect for now, for coronavirus, for what people are going through now. We can reach out and get the perfect therapist that meets our needs. Don't wait. Check them out. See if you can find somebody. Don't struggle. They're so affordable. They are so affordable. You're sitting at home. Every therapist is working online now. Reach out and get help you need. If you are struggling, don't struggle in silence. I am so grateful that they are giving us 10% off the first month so you can get affordable access to therapy. Go to betterhelp.com forward slash hope to recharge. Betterhelp.com forward slash hope to recharge. Start your wellness. Thank you get for help, joining us and taking the time to listen. I really appreciate it. Please hit the subscribe button so you can hear further episodes. If you are listening to us on iTunes, please leave feedback and ratings below. Let us know if there's any topic that you would like to hear from us in the future. Bye till next time.